Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast, where we help digital agency owners scale a business that can run without them. And it's funny because we have an expert on the show today that fits that exact description. I'm super excited to introduce you guys to my friend, Mandy Ellison. She is the founder of The Hands Off CEO. She is a published author. She also has an amazing podcast called The Hands Off CEO Podcast. She is also writing a new book called Scale to Freedom, which super cool. It's actually donating all the profits of the sale of that book uh, to a cause that helps fight sex trafficking for children, which is amazing. And more, I was going to say more importantly, that's probably not more important than that. But also very importantly, for the context of this show, she helps agency owners find 10 extra hours per week to grow their business. Her motto is that she helps service businesses scale their business and make it run without them. And so with all of that, I think it's so appropriate that she's here today to share some golden nuggets of wisdom with all of you. So please welcome Mandy Ellison. Thank you so much, Marcel, for having me. It's my pleasure. Super excited for you to be here. So um, I would love for you to just give everybody a little bit of context on how you ended up being the hands-off CEO guru. What got you into this uh, space in the first place? Well, what got me into this space was being a very hands-on CEO in my own small agency some years ago, and um, the it, it being rather frustrated about it because I had, as a business manager in, in the company that that I had worked for before, um, I had I had created a hands-off role for myself, and I just I had um, made it possible for me to travel anytime I wanted, and. Um, made the business just incredibly profitable so much so that the owners just like, they, they just step back, let me do whatever I wanted to. Um, you know, I'm not a very good employee. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm an entrepreneur by heart. Right. So I think they recognize that I made so much money for them. They just let me do whatever I wanted. So I had, um, I had done this as a business manager for someone else and it was just really, uh, chapping my hide that I couldn't do this in my own company um, at a time that I really needed it to happen where um, I was uh, about nine months pregnant and um, I had a baby on the way. My husband was in uh, a really intensive medical program and um, it was just, and I had a four-year-old on top of that and we really could have used the extra income, but instead um, of, of me continuing the business, but instead um, I had to shut everything down because it couldn't run without me. And um, it was so frustrating because I actually could see the steps to do it because I had done it before, but I couldn't quite make it happen in my own business. And um, so what I did is I went on this quest to really understand what was missing. And I ended up doing a lot of research. I, I interviewed people and, um, but more in interesting, more, more than that, even I just, I started actually helping other people do it because I, I wanted to understand the formula myself so I could apply it in my own business. 
So as I was doing that, I started consulting with people and solving problems. And I, I started out doing it for free, actually, just, just to understand the problem. And then I realized, oh, there's a business here. <laughs> so I ended up, um, and, I, and I learned how much I loved doing that. And then um, I passed off my, my other business to, um, which I got running again, you know, at the time I was, I was ready to do it. I passed it off to um, my business partner at the time and um, she's still running it. And I've got, um, and then I, I launched off into this business. It was about six years ago and um, the rest is history. It's an incredible story of you, you know, through necessity, kind of figuring all of this stuff out. And I mean, I can s certainly imagine that there's a lot of people listening that are maybe feeling the crunch of where you were when you were like, I'm not really sure if I can keep my family healthy and be there for them and do all the things that I need to do and still run this business, which is probably like another family uh, in terms of how much time and attention and energy it requires to maintain. So what are some of those symptoms that might indicate that an entrepreneur is in a situation where they're kind of stuck and their business can't run without them? Oh, great question. There's different stages where this happens. Uh, um, and there's, there's a, there's a stage in like the multi six figure where there, there's like a real resource crunch. And, um, there, there's, there's one thing that you do at that stage to get to the next stage. And then there's a place where you're at, at, at the, at the seven figure mark or just, or you're close to it and you just can't quite break through to that. Um, there's also at like, you know, around seven, 800,000, there, there's a, there's a, a mark there where, um, you have a difficulty, you run into, um, plateaued growth. That's, that's a real plateaued growth. And, and, um, the symptoms for that really continue on into the multi seven figures where it looks like the, um, the owner having the ability to grow the company, but can't because they're so involved in the day to day, they don't have time to go out and sell. And, um, and then what happens is that they, they do sell something and then, um, they might even have all these great systems and processes in place, but they keep getting pulled back in for high level decision-making for quality control for, um, you know, just, just when, when, um, when, you know, crap hits the fan, basically they're pulled back in and they have to come in and, um, fix it for the client. They, they, um, a lot of times have to, 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 uh, to give a lot of concessions to clients, um, in, in this situation so that they could, they can keep them happy. I've, I've talked to people who, who've, who've um, gone out and, uh, they've had to, f to fly out to the client's, um, location because a, a project went off, off, um, off the rails and they weren't notified early enough mm. and they were pulled in too late. And then it was just a disaster. So those are the kind of things that get pulled in. And when you're dealing with all these things, it's just the last thing you want to do is to be growing and bringing more clients into that mix because it's just, it's a madhouse if you do, or maybe it already is. <laughs> so those are some of the symptoms that I, that I see at some different stages. There's more of that. Um, profitability can be a challenge too. Um, particularly at that, at that, um, that, that multi, that multiple six figure range, that low, it's like, that's like, um, I find it's like, it's like the death stage for, for an agency because they have all these expenses and they have this team, they have all this pressure, they have no time to go out and sell and it just sucks. And, um, there, there's a, there's a real transition you have to jump, jump through to get past that. And maybe some people listening, I'm like, yes, I remember that. And we got past it. So, um, recognize too that wherever you're at right now there is a, a transition that you need to make and um 
understanding what stage you're at and what transition you need to make is really powerful because it can help you, um, it, it can help you really jump leap years forward in your growth instead of staying stagnant and dealing with all of the, uh, the yuckiness that, that you are, um, th- that might be true for that stage in the growth. Well, th- this is like, uh, it's funny that you mention all of this because I know we've had this conversation as well. Anybody that has a lot of conversations with a lot of different agencies very quickly starts to see that there are these very specific patterns with revenue level or a number of employees and then operational issues that arise. And I think it's, it's common for agencies to think that their issues are unique. And in many ways, there are aspects of them that might be unique to the team and the culture, but they're usually not alone in the kinds of challenges that they face. And it's just very interesting how, how consistently these things happen. They are. And it's really powerful too, when you can, you can take um, all these challenges across a wide spectrum. And these are challenges that I see, not just with agencies, but it, with service businesses in general, like consultancies. And I, 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 a lot of my clients are agencies, but um, a, a number of them have consultancies or um, some service-based business that um, almost all of them are B2B. But, they have, but um, these challenges are, are um, inherent to um, businesses where you, you're, you're selling something kind of intangible, where you're selling a service as opposed to like a, a hard and fast product. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe that, maybe that's something we can go into too with um, – the challenges with it, because I think a lot of agency owners think, well, okay, well, I'll just turn what I'm doing into a product. And um, it's kind of the right thinking, but the wrong approach. And maybe we could talk about that at some point when it when uh, is, is right. Yeah, well, actually, you know, that sounds like an interesting topic, and we might diverge a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about why that is the right idea, but not necessarily the right way to do it. Yeah, so it, so it's the right idea because you really want to be taking what you're doing and, and packaging it in into something like a product. I call it a service product, but an actual product is it, it's a commodity. So it, it, so what I see happen a lot of times is like, okay, well, um, what they they ask themselves, all right, what parts of the service am I most involved in? Because because the the outcome is to get the CEO out of it. Well, I'm most invo- involved in the strategy. Okay, so what we do, knee-jerk reaction, let's strip out all the strategy. Okay, now we have a product that's scalable and we can sell. And what ends up happening is that this, they have to um, drastically discount it mm. to offer it. Because they think, well, we offered this to our other clients and they paid, um, paid $10,000 for this. Um, so why is this not working when I'm actually selling this to, to, to uh, a brand new prospect? Well, the reason why is you took all the strategy out. It worked well for the client because you'd already done the strategy. So it was like an extra add-on that had that level of value because you had already customized it to them. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that they strip out all the value and they are not able to sell it for a high ticket anymore. So now they, they have shifted their business to now having um, a volume problem. So now, now they've moved to a, to a volume-based business and now you have to, to sell differently. And you, you might not know how to sell volume. You, you might know how to sell one-to-one. So you're, you're creating a different business problem altogether, but it has all the same problems that the, the agency had, it's the, uh, the, the bespoke agency had. It's just that you're not going to, to it's just extended out the time for, for um, when it will really become a problem. So what I like to do, I suggest instead, is to find this middle ground where you are increasing the value, you're increasing, you're customizing, so you're solving um, one specific problem for one specific type of client 
and giving one solution to the problem. So when you do that, what it does is it allows you to have a, a focus and it allows you to have a compelling um, value proposition, basically. And if it's not compelling enough that you can't do outbound um, marketing, which is what I recommend, I recommend outbound marketing. Yes, agencies, I know you, you can do all this SEO, you can do all this great stuff, but really, if you want to have control over your agency, <laughs> just get out there and sell. <laughs> so. and man, do they ever hate doing outbound. I, I'm in a bunch of agency Facebook groups, and every time yeah. someone asks a question about cold calling, it's met with a few genuinely nice people who are like, hey, here's some recommendations, and then tons of people who are just like, cold calling is dead. You should never cold call. You should never cold email people. Like you're a bad person for doing this. And I'm like, man, they hate it in the agency space. Well, and you know, and that's just showing that their, their own resistance and their own level of leadership. Um, I I don't think you necessarily have to, to do cold, cold calling. I I don't do cold calling. Um, I would, I have no problem doing warm calling if they're on my list and like, I find a number. Yeah. I have no problem calling if I, but what it looks like is Hey, you have a CRM consulting company. Um, I just helped one of my clients double his CRM consulting business in a year. And he just took a a 10 day off vacation with his family last week. Are you interested? Would you like me to share with you how he did that? And they're like, yes, absolutely. And we get on a call the next day. Like that's a completely different type of cold call. Right. Hmm. So, um, but I don't think you have to do cold calling. Um, I I did a really great interview with, um, Mark Firth on my podcast about, um, doing LinkedIn outbound marketing. And it's a strategy that I use. And um, what I love about outbound marketing is that you get, you get really focused on the top 20% of the type of clients that you want to work with. So instead of working, so you're focusing on just the perfect type of clients that you want to work with. And then it's just a matter of qualifying and quantifying the problem, whether you want to work with them or not. And if you have this steady flow of an incoming leads, um, then you just pick and choose who you want to work with and you can charge whatever you want. Mm. As long as you have the value, as long as you can provide the value. And I think that's the key thing is if you're not really clear about who you serve, how you serve them and what outcome you get for them, then that process doesn't really work. And I think a lot of people that have tried it and failed, it was for two reasons. Number one, they didn't have that part figured out. And number two, they didn't stick with it long enough because it does take a while. It's a numbers game to figure out what your funnel metrics are. The beautiful thing about that is once you've, once you've sent, let's say 3000 emails or 3000 LinkedIn connections, then you start to see a pattern and you know, if I want five meetings, I need to send this many outbound connections. And once you figure that equation out, you have a gas pedal for the business. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And it it is working it out the system, but more than more important than anything, it's really just about getting in front of, um, uh, of creating a hit list of an idea of ideal clients you want to reach out to. And whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on cold email, whether it's cold calling, you know, whatever it is, or meeting people at, at conferences, all of these things work. The channel is not, is quite irrelevant. It's just understanding the problem that you solve for who and, you know, and, and then creating a compelling message around how you're doing it. I mean, like most people listening know how to do this for their clients, but it has a really, they seem to have a very difficult time doing it for their own business. And um, let me tell you why. <laughs> oh, and let me give you an example. Of, I, I was actually just like an hour ago, we had, um, we're doing the leadership activation call um, session with, um, with uh, our hands-off CEO tribe, I, I have a tribe of um, hands-off leaders, six, multi-six and seven-figure um, agency owners and service-based businesses. And um, we, were, we were working on this, this, this challenge that one of um, the agency owners had. He has, has an SEO business. So, um, it was, and so one of the challenges is, is that 
this, this guy, he like creates such incredible outcomes for his clients. He's so good. Like not just him, but his agency is so good at what they do. But what's happening is it is that he is, they are averaging out their results across all of um, their clients. So it's looking at, it's like some, so when you ask, well, what kind of re- results do you get for clients? It's like, well, it really varies. It's like, well, varies on what? So I don't want to, I don't care about what the, the, the worst client gets. I care about the best kind of client because you should really like over time fire those clients that aren't getting that good of results. Um, and, and for whatever reason, sometimes it's because they don't have a sales team in place, right? So you, you could feed them perfect leads all day long, but they don't have a sales um they don't have a good sales team in place to close them, then like the, the work that you do is um, completely futile. So it's understanding, looking at the top 20% of the, the clients that you are now working with. Now, in, instead of solving um, six-figure problems, start solving seven-figure problems. And by the way, this is, this is advice I'm giving him that he spent a lot of money to get this advice. So I'm hoping everyone's really appreciating this right now. <laughs> because if you put this into, into use in your business, it's... Um, it, you, you, you could double, triple, you know, quadruple your business. Um, and, and, but, but for him, we're looking at what is it going to take to double your fees? Mm-hmm. So um, what it's going to take is for him to start solving bigger problems. And he doesn't have to change anything about what he's doing other than just targeting people uh, and looking at what are the criteria that he needs to look, he needs to have in place to potentially um, guarantee that someone, um, a, a particular type of business that they can add a million dollars to their business. What is that going to take? Maybe even half a million dollars. That's not bad either. But, um, when you shift to thinking that way, um, it, it, it it's, if you're not feeling like it's shaking and you're shaking the boots, your boots a little bit, then you're probably not thinking big enough because it should make you feel uncomfortable. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to guarantee that, but guarantee something, guarantee something that you can control but that's, it's, that is um, meaningful enough to clients. And this is something that I help my clients do is look at what is it, what is it that you could guarantee so that you can remove all the, um, all the risk to working with you, to remove that initial risk. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I do that is like with the, 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 the first engagement I do with my clients, I have 100% happiness guarantee. So like with that, that completely covers everything, right? So if, if I know if someone wants to move forward, there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't. Um, that being said, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to attract someone in who are like, who's just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall, um, which by the way, is also one of those things that keeps the, your prices down. Mm. So um, the, the reason why pricing, um, you can't increase your fees and, and p- why people won't pay more is because the, the certainty of them getting the outcome, the perceived certainty of them getting the outcome is low. So what they're doing, a client is throwing spaghetti against the wall and they're seeing, okay, well, we're going to throw some money at this and see how it does. You don't want those kind of clients. What you want to, or maybe it's not even those kind of clients. It's just how you're positioning it. It's if you're positioning it, that we're going to solve this problem for you and break it down for them and show them a a path for how you're going to do that. I call that my client success map. Um, But when you show them like a five-step path, that's outcome oriented at each step so that they see what they actually get not like an increased percentage of, of, um, of, uh, website traffic, not, um, increased number of, of, uh, of even phone calls. That's good, but an actual increased number of clients. And you can't know that unless you reverse engineer back and in your sales calls to actually be breaking down, what can I actually do for this client? And it's just really about quantifying and qualifying and like sales becomes very easy at that point. 
Man, these are super golden nuggets raining down from the the heavens right now. I hope everyone that's listening understands that like, Mandy, yeah, you do this for a living. People pay you quite a bit of money to work with you and you're just laying it all out here. So really appreciate it. I'm telling the, I'm telling everyone right now the exact things that I tell my clients over and over again. So you can take this and just kind of record it and just like listen to it every week. <laughs> you know, listen to this while you sleep. Listen to the Parakeeto Profit podcast while you sleep. And uh, you will magically get more sales when you wake up. Uh, asterisk, fine print as you do all the work and implement this in your business. So I want to circle back because we went on a bit of a path, although that was good. I'm glad we went there because this was all really valuable stuff. And I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, let's get back to agencies that are maybe feeling stuck right now. What gets an agency in a position where the founder's a bottleneck? They don't really feel like they've got the, the cash flow in the business to start hiring and delegating. And they're just like, they feel trapped. What kind of habits get an agency to that point? Um, and puts them in that position. Okay. Well, there's a few different questions there. So let's first talk about the habits. The habits that the, the number one habit there is being reactive instead of proactive. Mm. So one of the biggest things that's happening there with is when you have cash flow issues. Um, and by the way, when you have like a really good good month, watch out because <laughs> you what's gonna happen is it's like this is the pattern that I see. And I like all my clients to be tracking their numbers and I can see them. And so, because I like to see where those, the, the, um, they are starting to peak, like, like a big jump in numbers can, what can happen is you can have like a big crash afterwards because they have all this. Um, and I've seen this in my own business too, not necessarily a cat, a, a crash as far as like what, um, I, uh, how much, how much new income comes in because you have, you've now really stressed the capacity and you've moved away from selling and gone to capacity. And there's like this cycle that happens. Um, maybe I can actually share the cycle. So that, and because I think, I think that most people here can listening can uh, your listeners here, they can, they can really relate with this uh, is what, is what I've, what I've found when, when I share this um, with audiences. So is it, is that you like um, you've done really great with selling. You've like busted your butt and there's all these sales coming in. Fantastic. Right. And now you don't, but, but now you, um, run into a place where we're at capacity. Ah, we need to hire people and we've got to fulfill on this work. And then you're at this point, you got to decide like, do I choose um, high quality staff, really experienced people and it's going to break the budget. I'm not going to have enough profit or do I choose lower quality people and then I have to train them and I get pulled back in. And then like looking at the numbers, you're like, ah, I'm going to go with a lower quality person. So that you move on and you, and you keep getting pulled back in and um, you didn't really solve the problem. And then like what happens is, is you, then you look at your numbers and you're like, oh crap, we're down. We need to go back to sales. So you frantically go back into sailing mode hmm. and the cycle just continues. We call that the feast or famine roller coaster in Parakeeto. That's the code word for that whole cycle. And you're absolutely right. We hear about this all the time. It's such a truth for service businesses. So how yeah. does an agency get out of that cycle? How do you how do you break well, the madness? Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. 
So I wanna encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I wanna encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I wanna thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So how yeah. does an agency get out of that cycle? How do you, how do you break well, the madness? Well, first of all, and this is the exact thing that I, I was telling you about with this SEO client is that, is that the situation that had happened is that he was losing clients because like there was a, there were clients that were cycling out of the business and they should have been because he was up leveling what they were charging and um, they weren't the right fit. So, so he was doing a lot of the right things and, and, but the, the, um, the growth in sales did not match or did not, did not exceed it. So what was happening is that he was losing clients, taking them on, but it was keeping growth stagnant. So, um, what I said to him, so, so I, I broke it down and helped him see that the real issue here was that um, th there, there's, there's a cycle that happens where it's like, it's like, it's like um, farming, right? You plant a seed now and then like three months from now, you can harvest, right? Or however long your sales cycle is. And for some, for some people listening, their sales cycle might be years. And I have clients that actually like, they focus primarily on these long sales, long pipeline sales processes and me digging in with that, with him on that, it's been really interesting, by the way, as a side note, however, but anyway, so you're, you're farming, you're planting seeds now that are going to be uh, harvested. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't make more money right now. Like you can, like you should, you should never discount that because you could pick up the phone and you could make, um, make a sale today, make a sale tomorrow. Right. Um, but you know, 80% of the effort, 90% of the effort is going to come over time. Mm -hmm. And, um, what had happened is that there was a spurt where he'd gotten away from that, like with that cycle I was telling you about, and he wasn't selling. So the first thing you need to do is actually put in place a consistent process where Fridays you do follow-ups, for example, right? Every single week, I, I actually prefer to, to, I, I, I call it five in one. So like if you're having challenges with sales, for example, you want to be doing five outreaches a day and one call. So like, and, and I don't do that, um, by the way, that's, that would be way more business than I can handle. But, um, you do that until you get to a point where you can handle more. So you, so, um, so I hope that ma that makes sense. Five and one. So you, um, th that that's, you just need to get into that pattern mm -hmm. and to be looking at yourself really as, as the CEO, your primary goal is to generate business. If you're thinking right now, oh, well, I'll just I'll just hire a business development person, you better have a good processes in place. Then that is yeah. like <laughs> so true, man. People yeah. hire the salespeople and they expect the salesperson to come up with the process. It's like, no, you already have to have figured it out, and then you have to give them something that is foolproof and just say, do this, and you will be successful. Well, you can find someone who will do that too. By the way, but they'll cost they you will, a fortune. They will cost you a fortune. <laughs> And there's also a very high risk that they won't be able to follow through on it. They, they won't be able to perform. And if you find a really talented salesperson that actually has the ability to set up a process for you, they will not want to work for your company because they will want to be solving um, much, much bigger problems with whole sales teams. So basically, if you don't have a good process in place, you're not going to be able to attract any, um, anyone worth hiring in your sales department. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. I, you're, it's funny. I've, I had this conversation like last week in a big ranty post on Facebook. It's funny how I, I just am passionate about these things. So 
you're in this feast or famine roller coaster and you break out of it by just being consistent on business development, which I totally agree with. I think that's something that a lot of people get stuck in. They get so inundated with work that they forget to go back to business development. And they think because I don't need it right now, then I don't need to do it right now. But as you said, most people, their sales cycle is at least, at least 30 days. That's a super quick sales cycle. You have to get into that. Here, here's the thing is it's like starting up a train. And um, you have to be disciplined enough to continue the train moving, even when you don't need the business. And it takes some serious discipline. Mm -hmm. I know this personally, because I've just come out of a place in my business where like, we had some serious capacity issues, like we're just like, cannot busting at the seams. Um, and and we've, we've fixed that. And there's a lot more space now for, for more clients, which is really good. I'm excited uh, about that. But I had to be disciplined enough to every week be, be moving through, um, keeping, keeping things warm, keeping doing my, the, the actions that I knew would be generating more business. That being said, I could kind of push things off a little bit. I could still say, you know what, let's meet in two weeks instead of maybe meeting in three days. You know, like you can kind of push those things out and still keep things going. Um, but you have to keep, you have to keep the train going. You can't let the train stop. Yeah. Hundred percent. So I want to shift gears a little bit and just um, kind of ask a little bit more of a general question. In your mind, what are a, a handful of things that an agency has to get right if they are going to scale their business in a way that's profitable and that doesn't put the founder in the golden handcuffs? Okay, you have some really great questions. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. So Mar Marcel, I just have to hand it to you because you're mining all sorts of great content because um, you're asking good questions. I'm so. doing it for my peeps. It's my responsibility. Yes. Okay. So um, you're getting me to give away the farm here. <laughs> um, so the handful of, of the right things that they need to do to scale their business profitably and um, without doing the golden handcuffs. Okay. Yeah. If you so, had to pick just a few. What are the most important ones for you? Um, okay, there's, 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 there's a number of them. So the, one of the, the biggest things they have to get right is getting the right offer in place. Hmm. So going back to that client, the, um, the, client, the client success map, which is a culmination of what that, um, that um, service product is that you're selling and the way that you're doing it. So it's two of things. So that the, um, the service product this is what this is what your offer is and what you're reaching out to um, prospective clients with. It's got to be hot. It's got to be good enough that you're actually solving a big enough problem that people care about solving. And it can't be that we're increasing brand awareness. <laughs> no, that's not going to do it. That's not good enough. You need to you need to like get down on on, on a, a, a specific problem that you're solving with a quantifiable um, outcome. If you can't do that, then you're, gonna, then you're going to be stuck forever working with referrals. And the referrals are going to be all over the yard. And the, the process is going to be different for each one. It's going to be totally bespoke. And yes, you might be able to scale. You might be able to scale in this multi-seven-figure agency. Oh, but man, those kind of agencies. And by the way, I've found that at that, that, age, that level, they are less likely to listen to me. Um, so, which is, which is kind of sad because what it's looking like for them is that they have all these bespoke projects and, um, they, the profit margins are just not that hot on them. And so what ends up happening is they're making less money 
um, as the CEO of this multi seven figure agency than, than if the company was a quarter of the size. Mm. So, and, and a quarter of the complexity. So, um, and I guess that's fine if like your vision is really to, to, to scale the, this company and um, that, to the impact that you're making, that, that's fine. And that's one of my goals for scaling my company too. Um, so like, I get that, but I don't think that's usually the case. I think what, it, what is usually the case is like, what ends up happening is they have to hire these really high, high skilled people. So they're, they're hiring the best of the best to do the work. They're really proud of hiring the best of the best too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the, what's left over for the business is like very little. And yeah. then, um, you know, and I, I've, I've seen this happen too, um, where the owner is, the owner is making almost nothing too, where the, the business is, um, and, and in this case, I, I, I actually took this, this agency that they were about a million. And, um, in the course of one hour, we found her $85,000 of profit, not, 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 not gross profit for, for that year. And she got herself a paycheck. So, um, and that, that, and, and, um, that's not usually the kind of clients I work with. I'm usually working with clients that are a lot more profitable than that, but that's the problem that happens when you are not really clear on what single problem is that you solve. Mm. And as you grow, you might solve more than one problem, like in the multi seven figure range. But if you're under a million, don't solve more than one problem or work with more than one kind of client. I, I, so that's, that's the first thing is get really clear. And I just want to plug a quote from my friend Lee Gawk. He said to me the other day, bespoke equals be broke, which I think is a a really great quote. It's a great quote. I I actually (laughs) have seen him write that before. And I love that. Um. Uh, Excellent. So number one, get really, really clear on the problem that you solve and have a compelling offer. What would be the next thing that agencies really need to focus on? Yeah, so they need to this to to, sol- to to focus on a a way that they're delivering that that is the most profitable. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, so the first thing you want to do uh, w- when you're looking at increasing profit is um, increasing the value that you're offering. Increase the value, increase your fees. Um, not the other way around. <laughs> um, a lot of times, people are like, "Well, you know, um, it takes us this many hours, so we need to charge this amount." And it's just like, well, you know, you really don't deserve that amount unless you can, you can uh, generate uh, like, you know, five times the value for your clients. That's, that's a good, that's a good thing that I, I, a metric I look at, but, you know, charging, you, you, you can charge, um, you know, one fifth or one tenth of um, the value you're, you're delivering for clients. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're, if you're, um, and that, and that, that's, that's the formula for how do you make more money, by the way. So in, um, you had a question I could tell. Well, I just have a comment on that too. I think sometimes people uh, overcomplicate what it means to increase the value of what they're doing. And a lot of times it's really just a question of understanding the relative value to the client. Because you could do the exact same thing for a small business and it's worth a hundred times more to a bigger business. Like uh, let's say a roofing contract for a mom and pop roofing company versus a commercial roofing contract that's worth 10 times more. You could do the same thing, get them a lead, and the value is completely different. And your process doesn't have to change that much. But sometimes people think that it's way more complicated to increase value. And sometimes it's just a question of who you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's perfect. And that's what I love about the software that you guys are developing. Because it, that gives you clarity on those numbers. And numbers is power. And then you can make really good decisions based on that when you can see it right in front of your face. I appreciate the plug, Mandy. You're a champ. Sure. sure. Okay. So yeah. So, so yeah, that this other part is increasing value, 
Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's doing the exact same thing for a different customer. Very often it's just moving upstream. Um, and yeah, increasing value, increasing your fees, that's top level how you become more profitable. Because any dollar after what you're already charging is pure profit. Mm-hmm. So um, any way you can increase fees is a good thing. And to do it in a way where you are, um, you're adding a lot of value and that it, that it just feels really good to do it. And um, the other thing um, that I was going to say, okay, delivering it. So that was the other part of it. So that's selling it the top, that, that's increasing profit on the top end, um, increasing profit um, after, as you deliver it now. So it's looking at what are the steps in your service? So I was talking about the client success map and, and I start out developing that with clients to help them like sell it, right? That this is the way you sell it. So you're positioning it as a sales tool. Now you take this sales tool after you've validated, made sure that it's selling because you don't, don't bother systematizing something that isn't selling. That's a waste of time. Yeah. So um, once it's selling, once you know it's selling and it should already be selling right now, but at, at this stage in the game, but um, now you can, you can break down. These are the different steps. You work with your team, help them break down the processes and um, document out them. It, but by the way, since your team doing this, you, you lead and direct it, but your team is responsible for doing this. This is not the way um, the like work the system or E-Myth maybe even would describe it because they would say, just, doc, just systematize your business, kind of lock yourself in a closet. That's not the way to do it. You are not the one responsible for it. Your team is. So, um, then, so, so now you're, as, as you're doing that, there's steps in systematizing, there's steps in, in cutting out, um, the bloat and looking for better and better ways to do it. And, um, in just about every case with clients, when I'm working with them on, on this, there's always ways that we can, um, cut out a significant amount of the steps and what they're doing and actually increase value. And there was a client that I worked with that I actually helped them them um, reduce 67% of their, their initial um, onboarding process, 67%, uh, which, which equated to um, about two months of developer time. It wow. cut out about two months of high-skilled, expensive developer time, and they actually doubled the fees on that view. So they increased the value and decreased the cost. And that's what you want to do to scale your company. That is super ninja level badassery right there, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it, it, the, but I'll, I'll tell you a little bit why it added value for the client. Cause you're like, well, how did that really add more value for them to be charged twice as much? And did it? Yeah, it, actually that is a, that's a great question. I would love to know that. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Um, this client was, is, 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 uh, developing, um, an analytics soft it, it does um, analytics dashboard software customized for lawyers. So really quite niche down. And um, the, what would happen is that they would spend months and months developing a custom, a totally custom solution for each client. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what I, when I looked at this, I'm like, wait, every client, these are lawyers. They don't want a completely custom solution. That's going to take them three months before they can even touch it. What they want is something that is like going to work with a uh, handful of um, key metrics that is going to allow them to be up to speed in, in um, four weeks. So we said, what is it going to take? What, what, do, what does 80% of the clients need? 
And we systematized 80% of it right there. And they were able to deliver it significantly faster. The client got, um, got the, 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 um, use of the software, um, you know, a couple like two months earlier. Mm -hmm. So they were able to, to get value significantly earlier and it made the whole process working with them so much easier. And doing that also allowed them to um, lessen the dependency on the owner going out, flying out, and actually um, doing on-site visits. So it had all these other benefits to it that they no longer had to do some of those things. And um, and, and, and as, as you can see, like reducing the complexity there, what it did is it allowed the owner to, instead of being like 100% in all of the, all of the process and kind of understanding it, it the, it, we at least eliminated the owner out of 80% of it. So that's the first stage in hands-off growth, by the way, getting the owner 80% out of the service delivery, 20% in just, just in the customization of it, right? In the strategy. So, so that's stage one. Stage two is to get like 98, 95% out. And then they're just doing 5%. And that's like, that's really when you're getting into like the multi seven figure range for, um, or even seven figure, maybe even lower than that. Um, that, that's when, that's when, um, th when the owner is no longer doing the strategy and you've hired people, but you're hiring strategists to do 20% of the work, not a hundred percent of the work. So that, that allows you to be more profitable because you don't, you can hire hands to do hands work. You hire brains to do brains work. And, and then, so it's just one more way that you can be, um, incredibly profitable in your agency. I love it. I, it's almost, I know you have to be on another podcast soon, but I, I'm sure that everyone listening just like me is like, does it have to stop? Can we keep going, please? This is so good. Um, this has been amazing. So let's recap. Step one, get super, super clear on your offer and the value that you create for your clients. Step two, you want to uh, basically make sure that you're positioning that to the right person so you can charge really high fees. So that's at the top level. And step three is look at your delivery process and make sure that it's as efficient as possible. Um, and then just repeat and get as many of those then, customers as you can. And then get the right people in the right place by optimizing your hands and brains. Mm. And um, the first step before you do any of that, I'll just throw in one more thing. This is step one. I, I kind of walked you through, there's five steps in this um, the, the scale, I call it the scale to freedom um, system. And um, you can download it at um, handsoffceo.com forward slash roadmap. And that there's, there's five steps to make your agency, your service business run without you, um, profitably run without you and keep on growing and growing. So, um, but the first step to that is to free up your time. You have to find more time because you don't have enough time to do any of this stuff, right? You might even know you're listening to this and you're like, Mandy, I've heard every single thing you've already told me. There's nothing new here. So <laughs> how do I actually implement this? So well, the first step to implement is you have to find some time to do it because I know you're probably already working 50, 60 hours a week. So how do you, how do you find more time when there's just no more time? What you do is you, um, well, the roadmap tells you more how to do that, how to, how to find that time. But, um, and we kind of run out of time for that, but I look at what are the, one, two, three things that you could do, little tweaks that will free up 10 extra hours per week and use that time, invest that to growing. You invest that, if at least half of that, you need to invest in actually like selling. Selling, bringing more, more um, income into the business. Um, money solves problems. Uh, you can throw money at problems and they will solve themselves. A lot of times if you throw money at the right place or the right person, the right person specifically 
and they can help you um, solve that or the right tool, for example, like Parakeeto. And, and, um, and when you are in that positive cash flow situation, it's a lot easier to scale. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so you guys heard it. Make sure you check out the show notes if you're listening and I will have that resource linked up. That was handsoffceo.com forward slash roadmap. And with that, I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows where they can go to get more Mandy in their life. So where can they follow you, get more content? Uh, where can they get at you? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you can listen to my podcast, the Hands Off CEO podcast. Just look it up on iTunes and wherever else it should be. <laughs> I don't handle that at all. So I just, I just do the podcast, <laughs> but um, you can, you can go to the, the, uh, check me out on the podcast. I share this type of content every week and um, I, I, I just open up the kimono, uh, kimono as you might say, and, and just share it all. <laughs> so um, you can go to the handsoffceo.com um, for slash roadmap or, you know, handsoffceo.com to kind of check out um, what, what we're doing over there. And, you know, if you're really at a place right now where you're like, I'm ready to scale up, and um, you're, you're really ready to take the next step, you know, reach out to me. Maybe we can have a conversation and see what that would look like. And um, I'll be very honest with you what, what the next step is for you and, um, you know, give you some suggestions on how, uh, how to best scale up your agency from where you're at right now. Amazing. So you heard it here, guys. Make sure you check out handsoffceo.com. There are tons of resources all over that website that you can download. And there is all the instructions you need to get in touch with Mandy if you're listening to her and you're like, man, I need to have a conversation. Um, I want to just thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. You've been fantastic. And I can't wait for your new book to come out. So make sure you <laughs> let us know about that so I can email everyone that's listening and let them know to go pick up a copy. Yeah, well, it will definitely um, join join my list by going and road, downloading the roadmap, and then I will. Um, you'll find out when it's coming out. Um, it's taking longer than I want, but if you buy the book, then all of that goes to the the, the, the um, organization that I work with that actually goes in and does sting operations to save children from sex trafficking. So um, it supports a really good cause, and I'm I'm very excited to finally get it out in the world so we can help more people. That's amazing. I can't wait either. So again, thank you so much for being here today, Mandy. Good luck. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.